looking at this morning is um, taking a break from Joseph. We'll be back on that in a couple of weeks. Uh, what I want to look at today is at the beginning of 2015, we set some kind of some goals for the year where we, want, where we felt God was saying we wanted to go, some things we wanted to do by His grace. And what I want to do is give a kind of a recap, review where we are. We're about, I guess, a third of the way through the year. And so let's reflect on what we set out to do, what God has done through us to rejoice in the things that He's done and then look in hope and anticipation to more that He will do as we kind of go halfway through the year and close out 2015. So before we get into that, I just want to remind us a few things about the church, about where we're going. It's important to re- keep restating truth. So why we always preach about Jesus every week. We want to keep restating the truth and we need to restate some truth about what we're about as a church, where we're going. The first thing I want to talk about is our purpose as a church, which is helpfully written up on the banner here every week, which I know whenever you come in, you always read aloud to yourself to remind you of what we're about as a church. To sum it up, we can just use the name Jesus. That's what we're all about. But we put it down when we started this church. We kind of try to work out what are we about? What's God called us to as a church? What's our kind of our, our thing? How are we going to phrase it that fits with our time, our culture, our place? And as we came to start Real Life Church in Sutton Coldfield, we felt um, God gave these words to us, which is written out there. It says, we believe real life is about having a relationship with Jesus, following the example of Jesus, and changing our world with Jesus. And our ultimate purpose of a church, where we're going, whether it's this year, the next year, or 10 years' time, is that we want people to know Jesus. We want people to get to know Jesus, have their own personal encounter with Jesus. It's no good just hearing about him. It's no good having a friend or a family member or a colleague who knows Jesus. We want people to know Jesus for themselves, and that's what we're all about. We believe once people know Jesus, they build a relationship with Jesus, that transforms them. They are changed by an encounter with Jesus. If you read the Bible... People who met Jesus were changed. They, they, they repented of their sins. They, they, they followed him. They left things behind. Some of them were healed and delivered. Amazing things happened when people met Jesus. So we're desperate for people to meet Jesus, then be transformed by him. And then from that point, they then go and tell others about Jesus, that they then impact the world. Jesus had 12 followers, his disciples. They spent time with him. They were impacted with him when Jesus left sent the Spirit to be with them. What did those 12 guys go out and do among, with the others? They went and transformed the world, and it's been multiplying and multiplying ever since. So we're passionate about people coming to know Jesus for themselves, for ourselves, and then that becoming a domino effect that others would know Jesus, and it would carry on and on. So that's our purpose as a church. That's something that we, we never want to change. It's something we're always about. If it does change, we have a problem. So it's good to keep restating it so we hold ourselves accountable, that we're all about Jesus, all about making his name known. But where are we going as a church? What's God called us to do here in this place and this time? And these can be as different as there are churches around the world, and they're not all the same for each one, but we felt God, as we started Real Life Church, there were a few things God said to us as a church. He said, this is what you're about. This is what I want, where I want you guys to be going as a church. And he said to three things to us. He said he wanted us to be a large, influential reproducing church, which is what we wrote up on the banner over this side, to remind ourselves what they are. And we, we, as, as we were kind of preparing to start the church and as we've been going on kind of just over four years now, um, meeting sort of on a Sunday, we started in January 2000 and do the mass, 10, is that right? Yeah. Um, this is what we felt God say to us. And he said, first of all, he said, we want you to be a large church, 
want you to grow numerically. And that's quite a big thing to dump on a, a small group of people. And we were like, oh my goodness, what does that mean? So we started reading our Bibles and we're going back to what the Word of God said. And we found out that the message of the Bible is for God to have a people for himself and that people to grow large. He created in the beginning, what did he create? He created Adam and Eve in the garden. And what's the first thing he said to Adam and Eve? Multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. So God's heart was to have a people for himself that would be growing. There would be more of them. He didn't just say with two. He said, I want more of you. More of you. Fill this earth. Subdue the earth. Bring glory to my name. And multiply is a number. Then we have the fall. Everything goes wrong in Genesis chapter 3. Sin shatters everything. It shatters man's relationship with God, man's relationship with one another, man's relationship with women, man's relationship with creation. Everything's broken. All goes wrong. We fast forward a few chapters. We get to Genesis chapter 12. He meets a man named Abraham. He says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless not just you, but your descendants. And your descendants are going to be so vast, so numerical, that they're going to be like the stars in the sky and the, the sand under your feet. There's going to be so many of them. So God's plan was to have a grass people for himself. But he started with one man, Abraham. And we follow the line through, the inheritance, and we're actually kind of preaching to you part of that with Joseph. And you have Isaac and Jacob and his sons. And we go into Exodus and we have a nation that's in slavery in Egypt. And God pulls them out of Egypt through Moses, takes them to the promised land under Joshua. And they're now a nation of God given to the land he'd promised to Abraham. So he's got a people for himself. He said, these are my people. This, this group, the descendants of Abraham's, the Jews. But then through the prophets, he says to them, it's not just going to be you. It's not just going to be you. This, this, you're going to be a light to the world, to the Gentiles, which is all the ones who aren't Jews. He says in Isaiah, there's going to be a mountain of the Lord is going to come up, and it's going to be chief among the mountains, and the nations of the world are going to stream to it and give praise and glory to me. And he says, you're going to be a light to these nations. And so there's this prophetic promise. And then we get Jesus turns up, and it's like he's saying the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is now. All these promises that we've been waiting for for 100 years, I am the fulfillment of them. He comes, he dies on a cross, he rises from death, he opens the way so that all can come to know him. All can come to know him, just not the ethnic group of Israel now. It goes wider, even the people he met in his ministry were non-Jews, were Gentiles. And then he gets his followers together, he fills them with the Holy Spirit, they go out. And the church starts to multiply and multiply and multiply. And we read through the book of Acts, it goes beyond its confines of Jerusalem where it begins, and it suddenly finds itself breaking out into the Samaritans. Oh my goodness, we didn't like them very much, but suddenly they're all becoming believers, and it breaks out of them into the Gentile worlds, and eventually you follow the book of Acts, and what happens, it ends up in Rome, the center of the known world of that time. So the message of Jesus had gone out and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied, and more and more and more people were becoming Christians, and that's the message of Acts. You keep seeing the church multiply, the church multiply. More and more churches are planted, and that's been happening down the centuries to this day where there are a billion plus believers around the world who, who praise the name of Jesus. And then we fast forward to the end of the book, Revelation, and the Apostle John has a vision of the end. And he says, I saw a throne, and on the throne is a lamb, and, and round the throne there were worshippers, and I couldn't number them. There were so many of them. And he said they were from every tribe, nation, and tongue, representing the whole of humanity, every ethnic group, every language, every people, they were there worshipping the throne, and there was a vast multitude. I couldn't even see the end of them, John said. There were just so many of them. 
And the message of the Bible is God said, I want a people for myself and I want lots. I want lots and lots of people to come and know Jesus as worshiper. And I believe God has called us as a church to reflect that in some way, to be a, a people who grow numerically large. God has spoken to us about this. There is evidence even here today, if you look around. When we began, I could guarantee in the room there were going to be eight people and a child in our first meeting. That was, that was, that's what I knew. I could put my money on there as long as no one was ill. And if they were ill, I was driving around their house, dragging them out of their bed and getting them in the room because there weren't many of us. I said, we need, to, we need to be here. And God has multiplied us in four years to this and the kids out there and everything else. So God is fulfilling his word to us. Before we came to plant the church, some people came and kind of prophesied of us, spoke to us about what they felt God was saying. And the one that kind of stuck with me was one that uh, someone prophesied over Mel and I about our eldest son, Levi, who had just been born at the time as we were kind of preparing to go. And Levi was a very big baby. And he's still a very big boy now, if you know him. And uh, they prophesied, said, um, Levi uh, is a big baby. And when you, you, you have a baby now in the NHS, they give you a red book, um, which becomes your Bible, where they track everything about the baby and you have to measure its weight and its height. And every time you take him to the midwife, they measure him and make sure he's growing properly, etc., etc. And they track it on graphs. And it's all actually really quite intimidating because you want to know where your child's being plotted. And what does that mean? Is that good or bad? They say that's fine. And they have these percentiles. And uh, the, you have the 95th percentile at the top, which is kind of top scale. Levi was always above it. He was always bigger and heavier and just generally larger than, than average at that time. And we had someone come and prophesied and said, as your child is so big and strong, so real life church will grow like that. You will grow ahead of the curve and you will grow large ahead of your time kind of thing, which we were a bit like, oh my goodness, what do we do with that? At the time then, there was probably only four of us coming to plant the church. We were very early days. Um, but that stuck with us. So we feel that's what God has called us to be as a people. And it's a scary and intimidating thing. But I know God is faithful and what he said he will do. Um, and I look around and see evidence of him fulfilling his promise to us. The second thing he said it would be would be an influential church. An influential church. Now, if you read the story of God's people through the Bible, you will find God used time and time again men and women in positions of kind of worldly kind of power structure to be used for his kingdom, to be used for his glory. We're actually preaching through one right now. We haven't quite got to it. Joseph. What does Joseph become? He becomes prime minister of Egypt, the superpower at the time. And he becomes second only to Pharaoh in influence over the whole kingdom. And he's someone who God has chosen for that. But it, it's not just him. You read through other ones. You find people like Daniel in, in pagan Babylon being one of the advisors of the king who influenced policy there in, in that. We find Queen Esther in Persia who was used by God to save the, his people from genocide, annihilation. And God used them. We have Nehemiah who was also in Persia, the cupbearer to the king, very high honorable position, who was used by God to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem, which had been completely destroyed. And he was, he was tasked, he built the walls, he hung the gates and rebuilt God's city. And so God used people time and time again to be influential for his kingdom wherever he's placed them to be. And we look, if we go into the New Testament, we see Jesus teaching himself. He says, what do you say to his followers? He says two things. He says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Both those things are highly influential. Salt, you put on food, it brings out flavor, it preserves and gives life to things, and it can extend the life of things. Light just shines. 
It shines in the darkness, and you can't, once it's on, you know it's there, and it, it illuminates things. My kids at home, one of their favorite games they play is something they call dark play. It sounds really kind of ominous, doesn't it, dark play? But what they like to do is turn all the lights off in a room, close the curtains, and get the torches out and shine them on the wall and make shadows and just illuminate them. They've got a bunch of torches and lights, and they do it. But it's fascinating. You can be in a dark room and turn on one torch, and kids' torches are usually fairly naff, but they, they illuminate, and suddenly everything is shown up. Everything is shown up with these lights, and they love to do that. And that's what we're called to be. We're called to be the salt of the earth and the life of the world, to be, be influential in wherever we find ourselves. And I believe God's called us to be influential as a church for his kingdom in whatever stage we find ourselves. That's, that's whether it's us as individuals, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our social groups, in whatever network you find yourself in, God's going to use you to bring his kingdom in his glory. But it's also for us as a corporate body that as we go, God is going to use us to be influential in the places we find ourselves as a church for his glory. And the kind of the one sort of verse that sort of stuck out for me in this and we were reading, I was doing, uh, sorry, preparing to come here, I was reading my Bible in a year, which I've done for a number of years now, and I came across Jeremiah 29, just as you're reading through Jeremiah, and it says this, Jeremiah 29, verses 5 to 7, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to the exiles whom I've sent to exile into, uh, from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says, Build houses, live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives, your sons and daughters, and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exiles, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. I believe God has called us to be here as a church long-term in this city, to play our part in this city. And as I read that, I felt God directly speak to me and say, actually, this is what I want you to do to be as a church. When you move to this place, we hadn't moved at the time, when you move, go there with a long-term view to bless it. Buy a house. We've done that now. We initially rented, we now bought a house. Have sons and daughters. Well, we've had a son you know, at the moment. I think we're all right with that one, so I've covered that one. So we've had a son. Asher was born here. They're raising. The whole thing about taking wives, we're just going to put on hold for a moment and then them bear sons again. We're looking there, but that's a long way out multiply there and do not decrease. It talks about planting gardens and eating of their produce, which means just give to the city, be, contribute to it somehow. Work there, you know, raising children, be involved in the community, be a blessing to what you are doing, because in its welfare you find welfare. It says even pray for the city, pray for the Lord on its behalf, that it, it goes well. So I regularly pray for the city, that God blesses this city of Birmingham, that good things happen here, for his glory, so the, so the, 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 the kind of the peace and the prosperity city might multiply. And I believe that God has called us as a church to be influential in those areas. And some of you are going to be highly influential in those areas. We've all got to be influential in the spheres that we walk, but some of you have got particular callings to influence this city. We want, and I want us to be a church that, that has an impact in it on all areas when it comes to things like law and justice that we, are, we have men and women who will serve that area in this, in this city when it comes to social issues of caring for the broken and the poor and the needy, that we are serving the city in there when it comes to kind of 
uh, welfare, uh, kind of a health and care, that we have people who serve in those e- uh, areas. When it comes to teaching and education, we have godly men and women who are working in those institutions to bring God's glory in it. When it comes to the arts and entertainment, we've got Christian artists who are producing stuff that speaks to the culture and has an influence and an impact on it. Even when it comes to sports and recreation, our God is the most fun person in the universe. And it should be reflected in his people that we are the people who know how to have fun in a godly, wonderful way. And I just believe that as a church, we're called to be as influential as possible in the spheres that we find ourselves in. And and as as we grow numerically as a people, it will affect on us as a corporate body as well. But that's what God has called us to as a people. And he's going to be working out through you guys. And too often in church life, we can demean what we do with most of our week. Because we focus on a Sunday meeting which lasts two hours, two and a half hours if you're on setup, you know, but a couple of hours of your, of, your more, of your week. But actually, you spend most of your week doing something else, working in a job, raising children, serving people, doing other things. And God is extremely interested in those. And God wants to bless you and use you mightily in wherever you find yourself tomorrow morning <laughs> when the alarm goes off. Or the child starts screaming when your kind of week begins that way. All right, third one, reproducing. God has called us to be a reproducing church. God has always wanted the people to multiply. We look at the example of Jesus. What did Jesus do when he came? What was his kind of his plan? Well, his plan was to gather 12 guys, train them, teach them, and then when he finished with them, he said, go out and do the same again. Train and teach others like you. Train and teach, multiply, train more leaders, train more people to do that. And we see that through um, the book of Acts, that 12, and there were 120 in that room. The, the Spirit fell on them. Peter goes out and preaches at Pentecost, preaches a cracker of a sermon. 3,000 get saved, one here. The church multiplies. Boom. They train them, and then as we read through the church age, even when persecution comes across, they're multiplying, they're training, they're reproducing others. There's a fascinating bit at the beginning of Acts 13, where over about a chapter and a half, it talks about Paul uh, moving around, preaching the gospel and planting churches. And, and in that one and a half chapters, he, pre- he plants churches in Ant- uh, go, uh, Antioch, Cyprus, Perga, Antioch in Pisidia, Iconum, Lystra, and Derbe. And then he goes back, strengthen That's not bad for a chapter and a half. Five churches? Six churches, that is, that is effective stuff. So he's reproducing himself. He's reproducing churches and he's preaching the gospel and seeing people saved. And Paul's command to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, easy to remember that one. It says, what you've heard from me in the presence of many, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others. You've got Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others. So you see a reproducing there. Paul says, what I've learned... Teach to you, you teach to faithful men who will then teach, teach to others. There will be a multiplication of what you're doing. And I believe God has called us to multiply as a church. Exactly what that means, I'm not sure. Um, I'm hoping, I'm praying that it will mean planting more churches in the future. We started here four years ago. On my heart are definitely more church plants that we will send out teams who will go and start churches in other places. And I don't know if God's speaking to you about that, but that's an exciting thing that we are actively looking at and thinking about. And before we came here, uh, we, um, people came and spoke to us about kind of what they thought God was saying to them about the church. And the thing that came up most often was the image of the strawberry plants, which I've mentioned before, I mentioned again. So we're reminded, if you know anything about strawberries, I love strawberries. Strawberry jam, strawberries on scones, 
I'm a big fan of them, but I don't know much about strawberry plants, where they came from. In fact, I really couldn't care less, but I like the end result, the fruit. But strawberry plants are interested and interesting because we, before we came here, we were prophesied over four times by four different people in four separate places, all about strawberry plants. And they all said to us, your church, this church you're starting is going to be like a strawberry plant. And it was like, great, what the heck is a strawberry plant? You know, and you sm- when people do things, you smile at them and nicely because they're Christians, you're Christians. Oh, thank you. I don't know what that means, but thank you. And so we had to go and do a bit of research. And we, you know, where, where else you go? Wikipedia. Wikipedia, strawberry plant. Enter. All right. Okay. And I found out this from strawberry plants. That apparently when you plant, you put a strawberry plant in the ground and it's great and it grows and it produces fruit. But apparently what they do is they, they send out runners, which are like shoots, along the ground, and what happens is they grow along the ground as the plant is growing, and then they go into the ground, and into the ground where they go, like a short distance away from the original plant, they grow, and they grow another plant. And that then grows, and then that one then sends out a runner and a shoot to, to form another plant, and it goes on and on. And if you see patches of wild strawberries, kind of which, you know, you can see these vast patches where they've taken over, it looks like they've taken over and you can't tell where one plant starts and the other one kind of ends because they've got all these runners and these shoots and there's just plants growing and fruit on all of them. And when I kind of had that sort of, when I realized that as I was looking into this, I suddenly thought, oh my goodness, that's what God's called us to do. He's called us to send out runners to plant other churches and see them grow into the fruit-bearing plant they are and so on and so on to reproduce ourselves. And when you haven't actually left where you're going, and there's only a very small group of you, the idea of actually going to send out more people to start something is just, frankly, horrible. <laughs> I don't want to, there's only like eight of us. I don't want to send anyone else out. You know, what are you going to do? There'll be none left. But God said, that's what I want to do. And the fact that we're growing and multiplying, now that is on our hearts in the future. So that is what God has called to do and very much on our agenda. We want to be reproducing ourselves, that we're growing as disciples and seeing people become Christians and, and reproducing here, but actually, ultimately, our goal is to send out people, whether it's this nation or nations beyond. I really don't mind, but we want to see we we'll send out, reproduce ourselves, and see more churches planted. So there's a quick kind of recap of who we are, where we're going, um, to remind us. Now, let's bring us back to 2015. If you've got, uh, can you pick up on your chair? You should have a uh, a leaflet that looks like this, Come and Get Going Show, which was just some things we put together for this year. I just want to go through this and give a quick recap of this. Now, where did this come from? Because if you read on the top on each side, it says Come and Get Going Show. What we felt as we kind of were moving into the 20, and out, finishing out 2014, moving into 2015, we did our 12 steps last year, which we'd hit and exceeded, and God did some amazing things. If you want to catch up, then the sermon's on the web. Go and have a little listen, all the things God did. We, we had a visit from a friend of ours, a guy uh, named Julian Adams, who is a prophet. He has an incredible prophetic gifting, and he came, did a meeting with us, and, and God was good, and he spoke to a bunch of people, Vim and Allison, who shared last week, who've left, who are now flying to Qatar via South Africa, felt God speak to them there, and that's, they've been kind of, they've moved on, but there's a bunch of people God spoke to through that time um, that we're still working out, really affected, but he also spoke to us as a church, as a people, to something we own, and out of that came this come and get, go and show, and I just want to remind you of some of the things that we felt God say through him. After he'd visited, we um, we got together as sort of leaders to weigh what he'd said because he's, he wasn't God, so we need to kind of weigh it, compare it with the Bible, what, what sat with us. But as we did that, we felt a sense of this is what God is saying to us, the people. And let me just read out a few things from us, and then this will help frame where we're going. 
This is what he said. He said, God has called you, that's real life church, that's you, to be unashamedly drinkers of the Spirit. Those who would soak and drink. Your best strategies are going to come from the river. Even as David found his best weapons in the river, so you'll find your best weapons. Your best strategies in the river. And wherever others will go to this conference and that conference, that strategy and this strategy, God says, come to the river. Because as you come to the river, I'm going to give you ideas, I'm going to unlock plans, and you will accomplish more by accident than you will on purpose in this church. Because I'm going to teach you about how to flow in the levels of grace that will not cause exhaustion, but will bring empowerment. Later on he said, the Lord says uh, uh, what's going to mark you out as a church is your ability to worship. There's going to be a prophetic anointing on your worship. There's going to be a flow in worship that will enrich the levels of intimacy and ecstasy that will begin to shape an atmosphere and change the way things are done. You'll accomplish more in extended worship than you will in strategic eldership meetings. Get ready to become a worshipping church. You're to teach people how to worship. You're to teach people how to engage in the realm of the Spirit. God says even those who are lost, when they come into an atmosphere of worship, will suddenly be overcome by emotion and encounter me in that context. You're to be present-shaped people, not a purpose-driven people. You're to be shaped by my presence, for that's what uh, will propel you into purpose. A few other things he said. Uh, The thing that's going to mark you out, this church, is going to be a significant children's work. And there's going to be a move of God amongst your children, so you ought to get ready for that. He also said, God will give you prominence and a favor in order to release the blessing and the kingdom of God that will lift this community out of its place. And so you're to get ready because this church is coming into its destiny. Um, and he also said, there's going to be an acceleration coming to this church and growth. And God says you're to build for growth, not for maintenance. So let me just kind of pull some of those things together. Well, what we felt through that, those things was... There was two things. There was a sense of coming in, which is where we got the come and get. We're to come to God and receive from him. He particularly talked about worship and being a worshipping church. Next week, uh, Matt and Phil, are going to, who lead our worship team, are going to come and speak to us a bit about that topic of worship, just to remind us. But we also have uh, worship times here on a Sunday. Also, our prayer meetings, Church at Prayer, is another time where we actually have an extended time of worship to engage uh, with the presence of God. It was brilliant. We had one this Wednesday fantastic time if you don't come to them get to those so there's a sense of actually coming to God there's obviously an individual sense on that that we as individual my relationships I need to do everything I can to further that to be reading my Bible prayer but also as a corporate sense that we gather as we gather together to be on the front foot to be expectant that God is going to speak he said I'm going to speak more in these contexts than in kind of meetings when we're discussing what we do about stuff so there's that sense so there was very much a come and get but also at the same time he said there was a go and show through that coming and getting through that receiving you're going to go and show and you're going to have influence and you're going to have impact on um, the people around you and God is going to grow you numerically he said and so that is something that happened so those two these kind of prophetic things and some other stuff we had is what's to shape what shaped us kind of as a church looking at the year which is where we get these come and get go and show from so if you've got the card let me just go through some of these and then we will finish. I'll give you an update on some. Some we know, some we don't. Some are kind of, we're still pending on for the year. So if you've got your, your card, let's start with come and get, which is the green side. First one, come, and, come to life group. Um, just to give you an update, we've currently got four life groups in the church. They're all fairly um, large, 
numerically, which is brilliant. So people are getting connected. If you're not connected in a life group, please make every effort to do it. John and George lead our life groups here. Get connected with them. Uh, they're actually here this morning. Come and talk to me, and I'll point you in the right direction. Or talk to someone around you. They'll talk to you about which is a good life group to get involved in. But get connected. That's where we care for you. That's where we look after you. That's where we kind of grow into me. That's where we share bread and wine as a church. We sometimes do it on a Sunday. But most of the time we say, life group leaders, do it in your life groups. Most weeks we hope you're sharing that kind of part of that, that, that what Jesus asks us to do over the context of the meal because we meet, eat every week in our life groups together. We talk and we pray together. So get connected there. We're planning, hopefully, to start a new one soon because we've got four big ones. So we, people come in, we need a room for them. So we're going to hopefully move to our fifth life group. More news on that as we come. So that's life groups. Next one, Church of Prayer. This is my favorite meeting in church life. A couple of uninterrupted hours with Jesus. Brilliant. We run these. They currently meet at our house. Uh, we'll have to move out there when we get um, too big. But we have a great time of worshiping, engaging with God. We actually had it this, sun, uh, this Wednesday. And we planned to pray through a bunch of things, which we had, which we ended up doing. But before we got to that, uh, Matt was leading this worship. And we had a few words about God wanting to break in and bring kind of freedom and deliverance to people. And we ended up praying for people. And people got breakthrough. It was a fantastic time. Um, of, of encounter with God and then we pray through we prayed for the Nitna we prayed for Acoustic Costa and we pray for something else the fun run which is coming up so we had a really good time so get to those meetings if you can they are for me my favorite meetings um, in church life of just engaging with God and hearing from God next one there come to the Catalyst Festival who's booked into the Catalyst Festival oh yes we currently have I looked last night and I'm like 66 people coming to us with us to the Catalyst Festival. It's a large festival held on the bank holiday weekend at the end of May. Uh, there are probably about 4,000 other people with us there. Um, we camped together at the Agricultural Showground in Stoneleigh, uh, along with a bunch of other people who are kind of part of the same network as we are churches. Uh, we have great big meetings together with some fantastic speakers coming there, brilliant worship times. You've never been in a large context with people worshipping thousands at a time. It's something else. They have cracking children and youth work all the way up through the age groups. Um, Levi went, our son went for the first time last year to the, um, the, the kind of kids' work. We weren't sure. There's a bunch of kids he didn't know, a bunch of leaders didn't know. How's this going to work? He had an absolutely outrageous time. Loved it. Came back telling us about all the things he'd learned. He loved his little group leader. Um, and so they had a fantastic time. He's got stuff for the kids. And much of all, we get to hang out together. I rest assured, I we have good, good weather, guaranteed. I had a word with our Lord the other week and just laid out our kind of, this is what I think we should be like, Lord. So I'm praying and hoping for good weather. We lay on all the food for you. So you don't even have to worry about eating because we eat together in Marquee. We're part of Big Marquee. So we can eat together every day. If you're not booked in, please get booked in as soon as possible because um, it's going to be a brilliant time. Uh, next one, Freedom in Christ. We're hoping to start this in September 15. Um, so at the end of this year, we're going to be preaching through a bunch of things. Come out of the Freedom in Christ course. So you might have come across it. It's come kind of international like the Alpha course. It'll be an excellent opportunity to learn your identity in Christ, what he's done for you on the cross and how that affects our life and how we walk in freedom from that, correct our thinking. Um, that's going to be an excellent time. More information as we approach that time. 
Come on Sundays, learn about Joseph. Hopefully you've been keeping up with the sermon series on Joseph. All the sermons are on the web. So far, if you've missed any, we're going through his story. It's absolutely brilliant. I love it. It's, there's a sense of it's familiar, but actually studying it, you suddenly realize there's so much more to it. The story of Joseph, please catch up on them. We'll be back in them uh, with him in a few weeks. Um, he's gone through a pretty torrid time in his life, uh, which actually is really helpful for us to learn about how people cope with it and God's grace through those difficult times. Uh, the next one, come and hear some visiting speakers and prophets. Now, <laughs> I've invited some people, they haven't got, got back to me yet, so I can't announce anything. I was hoping that I'd have some information to say, oh yeah, look, I've got this person coming here, and this coming. But one of them who I was dead set on sent me an email last week saying, something really big has come out in the church, can we wait? And I, we had a chat about it, I phoned him and he said, and he gave me details and I said, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, let me know when you can. But I will announce that, more information when I have that. So I can't say anything today on that one. Okay, next one, come to a baptism. All right, heard it here first. The 28th of June, Sunday, we're going to baptize some people here which is going to be fantastic. I love baptisms because it's that, that mark where people get to declare publicly, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. They go down to the water, which signifies dying to the old life. They come up out of the water, signifying their new life with Christ. We cheer and celebrate, and it's fantastic. Um, currently, we have no one booked in for that, but there are lots of people <laughs> I know... There's lots of people I know who haven't been baptized as a part of this church who need to kind of go through that. We've got some people who become Christians. And so I'm just saying that's out there. The date is there. We're doing it in faith, and we're coming to talk to you um, at some point. It'll probably be Melanie. She's much nicer than me. So. But that, that's happening, so we're gonna be, we want to do that. We're, Mel's going to speak. We're going to kind of do it. Invite your friends. It'll be kind of a guest meeting. We'll have a great time to celebrate um, and do, do that. So that's coming 28th of June. I'm going to do that on a Sunday. Uh, the next one, come uh, real life men and women. We've had our first women's night this year, which um, Tracy and Lorraine organized. At the, it wasn't in the toilet. It was somewhere much. That's the only image I could find that was good for men and women in one slide. Uh, there were toilets there where they went, but uh, they went out to the Quinto Lounge. They had a great night out. The boys' ones, I've had chats with Ryan. We're this close to a day and deciding we have an extravaganza program to put together for that. But watch this space. We're going to do some men's um, and women's uh, stuff more throughout the year. But the first ladies' one went, went brilliantly according to the photos I saw on Facebook and what my wife said when she came back. So that's brilliant. So we've got a lot more of that exciting stuff coming up. Let's flip over. Go and show that they're all about us coming together, connecting with each other, connecting with God. If you go through them and just do a mental note to your, sort of yourself and look and think, which ones have I kind of got myself involved in or which ones am I looking forward to, make sure they're sort of you, you're working your way through and you're doing something about each one as and when. So the go and show. Okay, Alpha is the first one there. We had our first Alpha course, which kind of started um, the end of last year, finished... This year, uh, we had um, two people become Christians on it, which was fantastic, wonderful news. People who, who met Jesus, plus others on it who just kind of deepened faith, had questions answered. That was brilliant. It was so successful and something very well. I think they waited a week or two and then started another one. So we've actually, we're actually in the middle of our second course right now with, um, I think there's four guests on it um, at the moment who are basically asking questions about faith, trying to understand you know, about Jesus and what that means to them. Uh, Melanie is leading both them um, 
doing, uh, and it seems to be going very well. Our current one, it meets at Mike and Sarah's house on a Tuesday night. Please be in prayer for that, but that seems to be going fantastically. People wanting to know Jesus about Jesus is always a good thing. It's kind of why we're here. Um, so please bear that in prayer. Lots to be excited about. The next one there, go to Acoustic Costa um, and Knit Night. We've talked about Acoustic Costa, which is on in a couple of Fridays' time. You've got the leaflets. Please put that in your diary. Get to there. Knit Night, which meets monthly on the third Thursday of the month, which is run by Fliss over here. Uh, we prayed for it on the prayer meeting on Wednesday. Had a good time praying. and had some prophetic direction, which we felt for her and where it's going. Uh, they regularly have um, a, bu- a core of people from the area in Boldmere where it meets in the deli there who come regularly um, every week. And there's a whole bunch of other people who kind of come on a rotor basis, it almost seems, to fill it out. So they always have a good number there all for knitting but also chatting and sharing the good news and it was an exciting time to pray into that so that's going if you've never been involved in one of them maybe you want to go and come along and find out what's happening there if you want to talk to Fliss about knit night go and do that but it's just the thing we've got where we're trying to bless the community but also get to know some people and see what God does with it the next one go and support the fun run now (laughs) let me explain this I, uh, I was going to bring something, but I forgot, but I'll tell you about that. Okay, in Sutton Coalfield, our little bit of the city, the largest community event that happens here is the Great Midlands Fun Run. There are 7,000 runners, and there are probably as many um, who stand and watch and cheer on the course. The last couple of years, we've put teams in. we put a team in uh, again this year. I think there's 17 of us. Um, so far, who've kind of, who have said yes to the team and joined up. We've decided, the last two years, we, we wanted to raise money for, for people outside of us. Because church often is seen as someone who just asks for your money. And if you're part of the local church, I think that's important and biblical that we be giving to the local church. But if you're kind of outside of it, we don't want your money. We want to tell you about Jesus instead. So we decided, well, let's just raise money for something outside of us. We did that the first two years. We raised money for a local charity. And so we just turned up and said, can we raise some money for you? And they were like, yes. So we did that. This year we're doing the same again, but we want to raise money for the, the youth centre here. Um, we're currently kind of just in negotiations working out exactly what they want the money for. But I know they had a bunch of electrical equipment stolen here. Um, and so actually if we can raise some money to replace that, it would just, it would just bless the young people who use this, on a, this place on a regular basis. And so we're going to put a team in to ra- try and raise some money. We're in the process of just putting up the giving website when we do. We'll tell you about it, and I'd love everyone to kind of play a part and give to that to bless the youth centre here. What we decided to do this year is to go with the sort of a, a kind of a fancy dress frozen theme. Now, the sleigh there that you might recognise from Christmas with Olaf on it, it was over here with the Christmas tree, has now been put on wheels by Matt, and Matt is going to single-handedly drag the sleigh round the course. We're going to watch him and run with him to make sure he's okay. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take it round the course. Uh, Sarah is making up some costumes along with the Frozen theme, so we'll have some costumes to wear. I've ordered a bunch of um, Olaf onesies from Amazon that arrived this week that some of us are going to wear as we run round, which will be very hot and sweaty. Um, And we're going to go around and basically just raise some money for um, the youth centre and obviously raise the profile of the church and it'll be a fantastic event. If you're involved in the run, you've got to run. Everyone else, please turn up and cheer and celebrate um, the 17 fools who are running around the eight-mile course, eight-and-a-half-mile course. Do that. So that's coming. Date in the diary, that's the 31st of May, Sunday the 31st of May. We will not be meeting here on a Sunday on this that morning. The reason being is they close the road up there because <laughs> that's where you run, so you physically can't get in here. Or if you can get in here, you're really early and you won't get out because <laughs> you can't get your car out. So that's what we do. So if you can't beat them, we join them. 
Um, next thing, go and help make messy um, kids' events work. We did, a, we did these over um, Easter, so we've done our, kind of our first wave. We had messy Easter and we had the wooden treasure hunt. Who came to one of those? Yes. They were absolutely incredible. This place we had messy Easter, we filled this with lots of messy craft and just glue and glitter and stuff. And there were, according to the, the stats, 112 children, 97 adults in this room. Uh, and the, we had a baby room kind of there. It was incredible. Mel was, before the event, Melanie said to me, said, I'm really concerned that we won't have many people there because it was the, it was the middle week of the holidays. And you think people would kind of go away. They won't be around. And then when all these people turn up, it was like, oh, oh my goodness, oh, ye of little faith kind of thing. And she was staggered at the results. We had a fantastic time there. Brilliant. Then we had the Rudland Treasure Hunt um, over in Sutton Park there, which Mike and Fliss kind of took on. As far as my estimates, so we had about 150 there, if anyone wants to correct me on there, but there was a lot of people. We were out there, they searched for eggs, chocolate eggs, and made a bunch of stuff from um, our list that we had with the, the woodland theme, which was a brilliant time that we went on a walk, so it was a massive success. We had, we had a really good time um, and just got to bless the community and see them. People couldn't believe it was free. We just said, no, it's free, it's on us as a church. We love you and we just want to bless you. Um, and they came and they had a fantastic time. Um, Rumour has it there'll be more of the messy kids' events coming throughout the year. Watch this space for them. Uh, next one, go and help make New Day happen. New Day is a youth event um, that happens currently over at the showground near Norwich, which is um, run by the family of churches we're a part of, New Frontiers. It regularly gets over 5,000 teenagers. Now, for some of you, that's your idea of hell, isn't it? 5,000 teenagers in one place. In a concentrated, but having been to a bunch of these over the years when you're married to a youth worker, they're incredibly awesome times. And this time, this year, we actually have a youth group in real life church. Whee! We have, we have teenagers. This is wonderful. We've been praying for them, and so we'll be sending them. We only have a handful at the moment. We're sending them with our youth leaders to there. It'll be a great event. Please be in prayer for that. You'll hear a little bit more about that, and then we'll give um, an update about what it is. But my experience. Of, of being involved in youth work over the years is when, when you take teenagers away into a context like that where they're standing on their worshiping God, God does stuff. God changes people's lives. God saves them, heals them, delivers them, fills them with his spirit, gives them callings that will run out the decades of their life about places on their heart. And my prayer is for those teenagers who go that God does that, impacts them, that when they come back, they're changed. And God has got hold of them and they're, they're, they're ready to, to serve him. Um, and so please be in prayer uh, for that. Next one, go and get involved in the food bank. Now, we, had a bit of, we, we got excited about this one and then, then we got um, a letter from the URC church that run it that basically asked us to push pause on our donations, which is why we don't have them out at the moment. The reason being was we, and among others, have been so good at giving them food that they just had too much. <laughs> And they basically said, we're serving a whole bunch of people, and we had Henry and Utzer, who ran it from the URC church over here last year, to tell us how well it was going. And, he said, and then they said, look, you've been so effective for giving them, we need to get through the backlog of food before we need to start asking more. So we're currently in that stage. So we have nothing to report in the sense of it's still going and people are still being served, which is wonderful. We're just not playing our part at the moment because we've been too good at paying our part thus far. Um, and so I think that's a kind of a backhanded compliment. Well done. Thank you all for your generosity. But at the moment, it's a case of we just need to stop. And we'll, we'll, if we hear more about them or if they need it from us, we'll come back to you and say, can we start those donations back up again? Um, next one, go and join a work party at the youth centre. We're playing these for the sort of summer when the weather gets better, although it feels like summer's here, isn't it, already? Who's in faith that this is it now till like August? 
I am. Oh, yeah, get my shorts out. Uh, work party, basically we came here and we said to the youth centre, what can we do? Went to the youth centre manager and they said, there's a bunch of things you can do and clearing up outside. So we, last summer we did a bunch of that. We just came and we cleared and we chopped stuff down. And we looked like that. Charlie's holding a beer there, which he did actually do quite a lot of work. That was him on a break. Um, but we're planning to do more from there. Watch the space. If you're that way inclined, come and be ready for that. We'll tell you some of the things when they ask us some things to do, maybe some painting, maybe some clearing maybe some cleaning. We want to just serve them and bless them as much as we can here. And the last one, going out onto the streets um, and bringing the good news of Jesus. We have nothing to report at this age, but Melanie has got many plans, and she's going to be heading that up. So if you're really keen on that, please go and talk to her, and we'll let you know more about that. So hopefully that's an update there. There's things that God has done incredibly for us. There's things we haven't kind of really got into yet, but we're looking and we're in faith for what God is going to do. But I'm excited about what God is doing in this church. Are you? Good. <laughs> Good night. One thing just to note that didn't really come up, but it's worth saying. Um, our, our regular Sunday attendance has grown, which isn't the be-all and end-all, but it is a metric that you can measure, and um, it is a reflection of what God's doing. And we regularly get 100 now on a Sunday. That's not abnormal for us. Um, and that I find incredible when you reflect to where we started just over four years ago and what God is doing. God is continuing to add and people are going to come. And it's just, it's just for me, it excites me when I, I, I hear reports of what's happening over here at Knit Night, what's happening at Acoustic Costa and the kids' events we're running and even our kids' work, which is just exploding out there. They're like, they're like a plague. They just keep multiplying. And there's more and more. Like, where are all these children come? Mel goes through the register and just gives me the numbers. I'm like, do, have we really got that many children amongst us? And he said, yeah. God is, what God said, I'm going to give you, it's, it's, it's coming, true. And I'm just excited about God, what's, what God's doing. And I'd love us, we're going to worship now. Dave um, and band, you want to come up? I just want us to go into that expectation that God has done incredible things. He said stuff and he's been faithful to it, which means to me, one, we say thank you, but it also gives me faith as I look forward, say, what are you going to do next, God? And we don't want to forget what he's done, say thank you, but actually that fills me with faith for the future looks exciting, doesn't it? That God's going to do some great things. So do you want to stand up? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to celebrate and worship and praise Jesus. Lord God, I want to thank you that you are a faithful God. Lord God, I want to thank you that what you've said you will do. Lord God, and we thank you that you are a strong and powerful God, that what you said you have the resources to complete. It's not like you're weak and think, how can I actually fulfill my promises? You are mighty and powerful, Lord, and you can save and heal and deliver and do great things. God, and we stand here today and say thank you for all you've done with us. Thank you for all you've done with a, a small, weak group of men and women who love you and want to serve you, Lord God. And I, I humbly stand here and ask to say, God, do more amongst us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've done, but we look in faith for the future. As we round out this year, kind of got another seven and a half months to go, God, we ask you would continue to do more, that you would save um, souls. Lord, I pray you would save in our kids' work. You would save in our youth work. You would save amongst us adults, Lord God, on our Alpha courses and whatever else we do, Lord God. I pray that we would see success in some of the events we want to run and things that are going to happen, Lord. I think about freedom in Christ, God. I pray that you would come and set men and women free from false thinking and things that have bound us and kind of things that have got off us course, Lord God, that we may, we may be men and women who love and serve you 
more fully and more deeply, Lord Jesus. Lord God, come have your way amongst us, Lord. I'm excited about what you're going to do. Yeah. God's people said, Amen.